At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open, and something like a large sheep being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the Centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only human myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with the Gentiles or visit them. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts those from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. All right, so <clears throat> this morning we're in Acts chapter 10. But you don't have to turn there because he just read it. <laughs> I thought, you know, as I break down these passages, I'm like, this is all, we just need to do the whole, the whole chapter, verses 1 to 48. But that's a lot of verses for me to read. I can do that, but I thought what would be more engaging is for the Bible experience to read it for you while I showed you video of things from A.D. The Bible Continues that was happening, and maybe that's a more engaging way you can remember what was going on about 2,000 years ago as we go through the book of Acts. So that's that. Uh, that's <laughs> Acts chapter 10. And has anybody ever heard the phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness? Anybody ever heard that phrase? Some people think that's a Bible verse. It is not a Bible verse. Uh, there's a lot of verses, a lot of sayings that people think are in there. It's not. But what I want to tell you this morning is that that uh, word, that phrase, cleanliness is next to godliness, comes from a 17th century proverb I found out this week that was talking about not only being uh, physically pure, uh, clean, like hygiene, but also morally pure. And so they were saying, if you're morally pure, and, you know, physically pure too, that helps so you don't stink a bunch, right? Then you are ne near God. You're, you're next to God. You're very close to God. When you clean your life up, you get closer to God. And I'm here to tell you this morning that cleanliness is not next to godliness. Cleanliness isn't next to godliness if you don't have Jesus. Because we can do all the moral, right, good things uh, in the world, uh, but if we do it just by ourselves, if we just trust in this works righteousness and think that we're righteous by our own good deeds, by our own good stuff that we do, uh, Paul says that his works are just like filthy rags. And if you were here a few weeks ago, Paul said in Philippians that it's all our works are just a steaming pile of scubula. You can look back on that if you want to hear more about the scubula because only the good works of Jesus 
on the cross is what saves us. That's what I need you to know this morning. That's the only thing that can clean us. That's the only thing that brings us closer to God. Not uh, just cleaning our life. I've got to clean my life up before I come to Jesus. No, that's not how that works. We come to him and he does the cleaning, the cleansing of our heart and of our lives. Not just ourselves. That's what we're going to write down if you have your notes and a pen this morning. Uh, It's not just about being nice, moral, or spiritual. We we live in this this culture and really a lot of our world is like, I'm very spiritual. Very spiritual. I'm into crystals. I'm into yoga. I'm very spiritual. And all this stuff. But it's not just being spiritual. Connecting with the divine essence of light and love. It's about... Being connected to Jesus. Because people can try to be spiritual, but if you miss Jesus, you're missing the whole point. So it's not just being spiritual, and it's not just being nice and moral. There's this guy in Acts chapter 10, the Bible experience, read it for you. His name's Cornelius. He was a centurion. Anybody ever heard the word century before? What is it? A hundred years. So he was a commander, a Roman soldier, a commander in charge of 100 other soldiers. And it says in Acts chapter 10, he was a religious dude. I use quotes. He was very spiritual. He was a good guy. He was educated. He was wealthy. He was devoted. Uh, he was generous and respected. This guy was sincere. But guess what? You can be sincere and be sincerely wrong. Can't we? Yes. He had a vibrant prayer life and he was a family man. These are all great qualities. This is awesome. This guy sounds like a good dude. A great guy to hang around with, to be a co-worker with, to you know, uh, go to the restaurant with, whatever. He's a, a nice, neat guy. But despite all this, all he's got going for him, no matter how good he is or how good we are, everyone, everyone, everyone is still spiritually separated from God if we don't have Jesus, the mediator between God and man, bringing us back into right relationship with God. Now, I don't know if Corny's heart... Can I call him Corny? Cornelius? We're going to call him Corny a little bit this morning. Because I'm kind of Corny. All right. Uh, we don't know if Corny's heart... Maybe a lot of these Roman soldiers, you know, the Romans, they were tied up in this pagan mythology. mythology. Was, he, was he tired of this pagan mythology? Was he like kind of burnt out on empty religious ritual and these, all these gods are not getting anywhere, uh, getting me anywhere, so I'm going to try Judaism. I'm going to try the Jewish religion and see how that goes. Um, maybe, maybe he was doing that. We do know that no amount of uh, spiritual devotion, no amount of religious zeal by itself would have been able to save him. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Since we're not going to Acts this morning, I've got a few others if you want to join in. If not, it's in your notes, Ephesians chapter 2 this morning. And this is one of the most powerful, powerful, powerful verses to understand about works righteousness, about how cleanliness is not next to godliness, how we cannot save ourselves, how we need Jesus. Can I get amen from anybody? We need Jesus. Jesus. That's a plain, true, simple fact of the matter. We've got to love people enough to tell them that being spiritual, being good little boys and girls, being good doobies, my mom would say, being a good doobie, a good doer uh, of, of good works, that's good, that's helpful, that's great in our society. We need more people to do more good in our world and to be helpful and loving. But without Jesus, we ain't saved. There's a difference between being good and being helpful, and being saved to do good works. 
Not saved by our good works, we're saved to do good works. James says, Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. God saved you. Now you saved yourself. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Oh, my works. Oh, oh my good deeds. Oh, the things that I... No, you can't take credit for this. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Remember that. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you and I do. So we can't boast. Oh, I saved myself. Oh, I'm such a good person. Oh, I earned this eternal life. Be me. For Dan so loved himself that he gave himself for the world. No, that's not how that verse goes. That's not how this works. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. Only Jesus. Salvation is not a reward for the good stuff we do. Some people, they think, uh, and this is some different religions, like Islam, they think, if I do enough good stuff over here, less bad stuff, more good stuff. Anybody ever done something bad in their life? Anybody ever sinned? If you're not raising your hand, then you're lying right now and you're in sin. Oh, more hands coming up, I see. Okay. <laughs> if we, so a lot of people think that if we just do less bad stuff and do more good stuff, we'll be like the scales of justice thing. If we just are weighed on the scales of justice, you know, in front of Jesus one day for judgment, like, oh, 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 my, I should say it this way, my good deeds over here, they're tipping the scale in my favor. And my bad deeds weigh less. Right? Anybody ever done a scale? Young people. They used to have scales at like uh, grocery stores for bananas. It's all digital now anyway. But scales of justice. Good deeds versus bad deeds. And that's why some people drive their, themselves, uh, their planes into skyscrapers. Because this is a good deed that takes me over the top. And if I just end my life on, you know, this doing something uh, extraordinarily good for this false god that I'm worshiping, then that's going to take me over the top. Then that's going to grant me eternal salvation. No. All the good deeds in the world, when you get to that moment, judged before Jesus, he's going to say, he's not going to say, how much good stuff did you do? How much did you give to Troyview Church? Uh, how many times did you love your city with all these different service activities? No. He's going to say, did you know me. Did you know me? Oh, oh, oh but, but, but Jesus, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus is like, depart from me. I don't even know who you are. You don't know me. I don't know you. You're all in it for yourself. You think that you did this. You accomplished this by yourself. But you, it, it all amounts to diddly squat in the end, if we don't have Jesus. Not saying that it doesn't help people now to love our city, to be generous, to be kind, to be caring. But in the end, before God, before Jesus, it's not my good works. It's not me. It's, is Jesus in your place for your sins? Or are you going to pay for your sins? That's what it is. It doesn't matter how good you are. Good people don't get into God's kingdom. Saved people get into God's kingdom. Doesn't matter how good you are. All the good deeds that Corny did, great guy. Sounds like he's a great, a good dude, you know. But it doesn't matter in the end. 
unless he has Jesus, which is why God gave him this vision. He's a Roman soldier. Think about this. Uh, like he's going to go back to Rome. He's probably stationed you know, this is his house in Caesarea. Go back to Rome, do these things, you know, work business meetings and stuff and soldier training and whatever he does in Rome. And he's going to bring this gospel of Jesus back to Rome. Oh, isn't there a book called Romans that Paul wrote to the church in Rome? Maybe some of this stuff was started by Cordy. Hey, how about that? Maybe he's spreading the gospel too. And God is just using all these unique ways of taking the good news of Jesus further and further and further out. And that's what he's doing. Because it doesn't matter if you're Mother Teresa, if you're Billy Graham, if you're Joan of Arc, if you're Paul the Apostle, if you don't have Jesus, so you ain't got nothing. Uh, all, all our good deeds won't amount to a hill of beans on the day of judgment. Now, good works can show that we know Jesus. Good works, uh, doing good things, helpful, loving things, serving, giving of our time, our, our money, of our, our efforts. That's all great. That can show that we know the Savior who was generous with us. And we want to do those things. We want to go on a missions trip and serve all week, don't we, Chris? We, we're called to do those things. To give back what God gave to us. But that's not what saves us. Because if our, our hearts aren't surrendered to Jesus, it's all just sort of empty religious ritual. Following these rules. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to give 10%. See, this is what the, the Jews got a lot tripped up in legalism. And they put rules on top of rules on top of rules. 613 man-made rules on top of their rules. And they said, you got to do this. That you, if you go to, to Israel today, they can't push the button of an elevator. Right, Jim? He was there and he pushed the button for him, Didn't you? Was that you? That story? Yeah. Because he's a Gentile. He can push the elevator button on a Sabbath day. But they can't do electricity on the Sabbath day. And all, all kinds of legalistic jargons and rules and dietary and, and cleanliness rituals. And that was good for a time for, for God to help preserve his people so they didn't get sick and infected and die and don't touch dead things. That's generally a good rule. But all these rules... Huh? Can't drive a car. Can't drive a car. Areas they yeah. off. You can only walk so many steps. So many steps, yeah, that thing. Yeah. All this stuff. Mm -hmm. What Christ told him said, you got so many rules, you can't keep them yourself. And that's the thing. Point at other people. You're not keeping the rules. You're not keeping the rules. You're not keeping the rules. Like I'm keeping the rules. But they couldn't keep them themselves. And it's just, we can't keep all the rules. That's why we need Jesus. Because we can't keep all the rules. And some of the rules that man has invented, mankind has invented, are just silly and ridiculous. And it's not so much about the heart for God. It's just... It becomes this, these rituals, these rules on top of rules on top of rules that you're losing sight of Jesus. Like Jesus said, you know the Old Testament scriptures, but you're missing out on me. You're missing the whole point of the scriptures. It's not just about rules. Don't do this. Do this. It's about have a heart of love for people like God has had for you. I want to read uh, one more verse. This is Galatians chapter 2 if you want to go over to the left, one book, Galatians, Ephesians. Yeah, Galatians chapter 2. See, don't trust in your own goodness. That, that's the point here. Don't trust in our own goodness. We can't do that. We've got to trust in God's goodness, Jesus' perfection in our place. Your goodness may be helpful for a time for people around you, but ultimately, eternally, 
If you don't have Jesus' goodness and perfection, you will not be a part of his kingdom. Mm. Galatians chapter 2. Look at verse 16. Yet we know... I'll start with verse 15. Okay, You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God. How? By faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. That's what we've been talking about. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one... How many? How many? Just a few? The, The really, really good people? No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Ain't nobody... Sorry, Rachel, does that bother you? Ain't nobody be good enough. Does that really bother you, English nerd over there? Ain't nobody be good enough to be saved by themselves. Only Jesus and His goodness. And that's where a lot of Jews get tripped up, and that's where we can get tripped up by focusing on rules and rituals. And just know Peter needed Jesus. Devout Jew, Peter needed Jesus. Corny needed Jesus. A Gentile, non-Jewish person. And we all need Jesus. So how about you? Do you put your hope in yourself and in being good enough and being moral enough and being spiritual enough and being generous enough to get you into the kingdom and being conservative enough or loving enough? You think, do you think that you're going to earn your own salvation by your own merit? If you do, that's a bad place to be. <laughs> don't, don't think like that. You are saved not by our good works. We are saved. But we are saved to do good works. So sure, do all the good stuff you can. Spend your life loving God and loving other people. But no, that is not what saves us. Only Jesus' sacrifice on the cross saves us. That's why God spoke to Corny and spoke to Peter and said, y'all need to get together and talk about this. And Peter goes... To Corny, can I say Corny? And Peter goes, I'm going to say it anyway. Peter goes to Cornelius and he shares a sermon with him. He shares the scripture. He shares the gospel story. And Cornelius and his family repent and believe and are saved and are baptized. And who knows? I would like to see a little tree. You know, you got your ancestral family trees. How many people did Cornelius and his family affect over here? Maybe we came... Through them. Like we came to salvation by Cornelius sharing with the Romans back in Rome. And then they, you know, were, I'm from, you know, Europe and uh, Ireland and Scotland and Germany and, you know, my heritage. And maybe somebody in my ancestral tree, like way, 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 way back, thousands of years ago, Cornelius and his family and his servants and whoever was with him shared the gospel with my great, 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 great grandfather. Who knows? This is kind of cool to think about. We are here today because this message of God is going out to the non-Jewish people. They call them the Gentiles. Last thought. Let's write this down. Here we go. And this is, this is kind of the fun part. We're going to have some fun, okay? Is that okay? If we have some fun? No, no fun? No, we're, we're going to just cut the fun out? Okay. I always like to say, have fun learning and growing at Troyview Church. Because this, this stuff, uh, when you are in engaging with the scriptures in a unique and interesting way. That's how, we, that's how I remember it. All right. We're all unclean. 
turn to the person next to you and say, You're unclean! Now turn to your other neighbor and say, You stinketh! You're unclean! Okay. We're all unclean and need Jesus' cleansing power. This is the deal. We're all unclean without Jesus. All right, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, the Messiah, the Savior today, you are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. But without Jesus, or before Jesus, you could say, we are all unclean, and none of our good works will get us. So here's, will save us. It says it was a sheet, and this is kind of like, whoa, Nancy's in for a ride again. Here we go, Nancy. It's kind of like a sheet coming down from heaven. And I looked at this word sheet, I'm like, what does this word sheet mean? And, uh, and it's kind of like, it could have been like a sail on a boat or something. Or, or just like a, sh- like a sheet. Like a, what is it? Uh, what's a fabric? Name a fabric. Not, I'm thinking, vinyl, not, cotton, not flannel. Satin. No, no. I forget, I forget. Silk. Some, some kind of sheet. And I, I wrote it down and I forgot. But the sheet comes down from heaven. Oh! Hallelujah. Right? Like I'm making pizza dough here. Hey, hey. Um, no, this is bad. This is bad. I'll put this away. I'll put this away. Okay. So a sheet comes down from heaven. Like jaws? No, gauze. Gauze. The name is like cheesecloth or gauze. Like cheesecloth or gauze. Cheesecloth. Well, like it, you know, In the Greek, it means cheesecloth. No. <laughs> something that was, you know, was filmy and not... Filmy? Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's kind of a, a strange... Like, why would God use a sheet? Oh, by the way, that reminds me of my alternate title, different one, Hallie, uh, called Pigs in a Blanket for today's message, <laughs> which I thought would be kind of fun and cute, but Rachel said, oh, cleanliness isn't next to godliness, it's more... Uh, so there's sheep coming down, and what do we got here? We got all kinds of unclean animals. We got penguins coming down from heaven. Here we go. Unclean animals. Now, the Jews had... Look in Leviticus 11, and you can read about all kinds of dietary restrictions. You can't eat koalas. Right, Carter? Uh, I don't know. I think Ellie put this in here. No minions. You can't eat minions. Bye-bye. Right, that's not... Raccoons, right? No, 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 no raccoons. No llamas, I don't, I don't think. It's something about chewing the cud and having a cloven hoof. Oh, what do we got here? <gasps> What's his name there? The branch, right? Ellie names all her 80 or 90 stuffed animals. I'm not making that up. And she plays with them all too. Twig is the baby. This is branch. This is branch here. It's not a weapon, Nancy. You can relax. It's soft. Uh, hamsters. You're not supposed to eat like little rodents and things. Right? How about squirrels? Anybody ever have squirrel stew? I think according to Jewish law, you're not supposed to do that. That's all right. I put this in. Pikachu, really? No Pikachus. Don't be into Pikachus. Oh, Jeffrey told me a joke. Where's Melanie? She's not here. Some about uh, not being in the shower with a Pokemon because it might take a Pikachu. Anyway, that's, that's good. Uh, meerkat. I don't think you're supposed to eat meerkats. A sheet coming down from heaven. Mouse? Mice? Right? You're not supposed to eat mice. What else we got? Uh, some fish, right? You could eat fish. You know, Peter was a fisherman. But some of the fish, like I think of the catfish, the bottom feeders, the lobsters, the shrimp. Anybody like lobster, shrimp, crab? You're not supposed to eat that stuff. God told his people, you're not supposed to eat that stuff. The bottom feeders, because you're like eating their garbage or you're eating the trash. It's like when you're eating a pig. Anybody like bacon? Anybody like bacon or ham? According to Jewish rituals, you're not supposed to eat that stuff. 
Yeah, they've laxed that now. They've laxed that? Yeah, if it's raised on a screen or something above ground. And oh. Several other things left. Because they want their bacon, I know. I get it. It tastes good. Seahorses, probably not supposed to eat sea. That seems, seems kind of not right there. What about uh, sheep coming down from heaven? Yeah, here we got the crabs. Oh! Got the crabs uh, and lobsters. You're not supposed to eat shellfish and some of that stuff. Um, now, I think today, have we got a, a llama or a cama? I don't know. You're probably not supposed to eat that. Probably supposed to ride those. How about owls? Who? Sorry, owls. <laughs> now, I could do a lot of pun jokes. Oh, here's a manatee, Rachel. She loves manatees. Probably not supposed to do that. Uh, and they're two, the chubby mermaids of the sea, right? They're too cute. Hamster, we have a big hamster here. How many animals did we put in here? Uh, I think there's a little, little hamster there, Joe. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog, probably not supposed to eat dogs, right? Kind of mangy. Poodles, you know, cute dogs now, very different than they used to be, just running around, kind of scrounging. And lions, probably not supposed to eat lions. How many have we got? Another manatee? Oh, I see. Okay, another manatee. S E A, right? And panda bears. I can barely contain my excitement about this sheet coming down. Okay, so I thought I'd give you a little visual this morning of a sheet coming down. We'll see if that makes any difference in your life. But it'll help you remember a little bit this morning. Now, some people, they, uh, they say, oh, 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 this vision, this vision that Peter was given, you know, pigs and stuff, it means that you can eat pigs now. Right, Hallie? It means you want to squeal for bacon, right? <laughs> you can go hog wild now, okay? Because animals, they were unclean, now they're clean, and you can eat whatever you want. Snakes, alligators, get that jambalaya stew going. I don't know if that's what God meant. That we can now eat shell, seafood, crap, aww. Poor little piggy went to market or church. Okay. <laughs> Some people, I'm not, we're not going to get into this. You can research it on your own. Some people debate, are we able to eat all the kinds of animals now? Or was that a vision just about people? And not that we can eat bacon now. Now, if you like bacon, you're probably, <laughs> nice job. You're probably reading to the scriptures like, oh, God said we can eat bacon now. So we're going to eat bacon. We're going to go hog wild. Okay. I don't know if that's what God meant. People debate that. Because they really like bacon. <laughs> I just I just say it and lobster and crab and I think. But it's about the people. The other debate is God put those restrictions on for health reasons. Right. And he felt that man had progressed to the point to where they were able to get over that health problem. Clean up stuff properly, sanitize it properly. Yeah, that could be. And yet when I was in Nazareth meat market, right next to it was live chickens. Hmm. And the meat market don't stuff's hanging out on yeah. in the open. No I don't know about that. Ooh. And here's these chickens with all this stuff with feathers and poop and, and yeah. 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 See that's that's part of it. God was preserving his people. You know, sanitary things. We have different sanitary procedures now. You, you can think about that, but, but um, 
If you like bacon, I mean, I'm not going to persuade you today whether to eat bacon or not. Because uh, I enjoy bacon as much as the next guy, right? But the point was the people. God was saying that nobody is unclean. Because Peter, he grew up with this Jewish mindset, these unclean Gentiles, right? And now God's flipping everything on its head, all these Levitical laws, and he's, it, with this animal illustration, this vision, and he's saying, Peter, get up, kill, eat. Don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. So he's like, these Gentiles, you think they're unclean? But when I do a saving work in their life, change their hearts, transform them, make them new, they are clean in my sight, too. And I love them too. And they are my people too. Not just the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob anymore. This is how God was changing Peter's mind. Right? Yeah, it changed Peter's outlook with um, Saul. Or Paul? Paul. Saul Paul, yeah. With his work with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They were having a- Absolutely. Yeah, and Paul was radical about getting these people back to Judaism. And now we're saying, okay, everybody can come to Jesus. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter uh, the choices that you've made in your life, or where you were born, or what color your skin is, or your education level, or, or your, what your, you know, your job is, or uh, anything else in your life, it doesn't matter. Do you have Jesus? That's what matters. And Peter struggled with this. Coming from a Jewish background, these Gentile people considered ceremonially unclean for a lot of different reasons. They were not a part of God's people. They were not a part of God's original covenant. So he thought they, they were not uh, even really supposed to associate with dirty, filthy. You know what they called them? Some people, the Gentile dogs. Not like the Pomeranian. Oh, look, it's so cute. But like the nasty, mangy dogs running around the streets. Kind of dogs back then. It was taboo to even go into their homes, which Peter did. It was even worse. You weren't supposed to eat with them. Their, their food was unclean. Maybe they sacrificed some of the meat to idols or prayed over, you know, pagan prayers over it. Uh, and they didn't do their, their ceremonial rituals. And you weren't supposed to go. And so Jesus tells Peter, it's time for you to go. It's time for you to have these people join in what I am doing. And Cornelius, he's even part of uh, Israel's occupying army. He's their enemy in some ways. And, and God's like, these people need Jesus too. Wow. So Peter, he's trying to get rid of this old way of thinking. So do we. He goes to Cornelius' house. He shares the gospel, like I said. And they are saved. Praise God that he... He goes to everybody, no matter who they are, where they've been, what they've done. And um, sort of taking Israel's uh, privileged position. Some people, some Jews were like, oh, you know, we're from Israel. We're, we're in the line of the Levites and the Abraham and Isaac and the Jacob. And, and we're up here and these Gentile dogs down here. But God twisted that on its head. And he said, look, you're, you're looking on, down on these different people. You're showing favoritism. You're showing partiality. And I was looking it up this week. There's a bunch of verses where God's like, I do not show favoritism. I do not show partiality. Everybody, everybody can come to me. People think that Christianity is exclusive. Christianity is all inclusive. Anybody can come to Jesus and have their life and eternity changed. And there was, there was like racial tension. There was 
uh, hostility, there was pride, there was hatred among some Jews and Gentiles, but God is doing a new thing as God likes to do. And the church is expanding. And the church is multiplying and the church is growing multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi uh, across the, the nations. Everybody, everywhere is offered life in Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, no matter what. Jews and Gentiles. Whoever surrenders a life to Jesus can become pure, clean, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, holy in God's sight. And I'm not that much in the old-timey gospel music. Anybody like old-timey gospel music? All the gaithers and we'll fly away. Oh, yes, I know Eli likes that stuff. I found the lyrics. I'll send it uh, on email this week, Eli. But uh, uh, there's this lyrics to this one song. Actually, there's two songs. One's uh, it's called Level at the Foot of the Cross or Level at the Foot of Calvary. There's two ones. And it's all about at the, at the foot of the cross. The ground is even. Meaning, it doesn't matter who you are. Whether you're rich or poor or, or uh, this color or that color, educated or not, whatever status you have with your money and relationships, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Everybody, whether you're Bill Gates or Joe Biden or the homeless guy down the street hanging out in a tent or in a van by the river, right? We are all come to Jesus in sin, separated from God, broken in relationship with Him, and doesn't matter. It's, it's a great equalizer that we all need him. Paul writes in Galatians 3, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. This is incredible. Incredible news for them back then and for us today. I just want to finish. Last verse today is uh, James. You can read James with me if you like. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 near the end of your Bible. And this is we're going to talk about favoritism for just a couple minutes. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others, do you? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can't stay in there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's good. But if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. So whatever you, verse 12, whatever you say or do, remember there will be, you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There'll be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Do you have mercy in your life? Or are you showing favoritism? Looking down on other people, hypocritically, right? Here's what I want to do. As we wrap this up, you can pick out a pair of glasses 
And I think we have enough for everybody. And I pass it on down the rows. Pick out some glasses. Pick out some glasses. We're going to see people through different lenses, right? Take one, pass it down, pass it around. No, I was thinking, I wasn't going to say that. So, are you like Peter before his vision? We've got some heart-shaped glasses this morning I want you to have. Do you treat some people around you as unclean? Who do you... Maybe we'll just say this. And you don't have to shout it out. You don't have to point to the person. Who in your life do you avoid being around? Who in your life do you uh, ignore? Do you not like talking to? Is it your family? Is it your people at work? Uh, Your neighbors in your city? Who in your life do you struggle to treat with kindness and grace and mercy? Are you going to be like Peter before he realized that everybody was clean? Are you going to be like Peter? Are you going to be... That goes with your green shirt. That's really nice. Are you going to be judgmental, hypocritical, looking at other people through your human eyes? Let's say through eyes of judgment. And I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe they would go there. How could they get themselves in that situation? Those people, they're the problem. Or are you going to spend your life looking at people through God's eyes? Through eyes of love, through eyes of grace, through eyes of kindness, through eyes of mercy? Will you have eyes of love Not judgment, not hatred, not all those Gentile dogs. Will you and I seek to have eyes of love for the people around us like God does? Because it doesn't matter if they're homeless. It doesn't matter if they're beggars. It doesn't matter if they're drug addicts or prostitutes or criminals. We got people who are alcoholics and gamblers and sex offenders and abusers and lazy, living off the government, right? We got people who dress a certain way that you don't like. We got people who have piercings and tattoos that you don't agree with. We got people who drive cars of brands that you don't agree with. Honda. And we got people who root for sports teams that you don't like or live in place on the wrong side of the tracks. They got their house. Right? We got people that have different political views than you. And I can't believe you would vote for that person and you would vote for that person and think that way, have that opinion. We got people who look down on other people based on their skin color, their pigment, their melanin, so dumb. We got people who, who don't see with eyes of love uh, based on where somebody is from. The language that they speak or the accent that they have or the things that they say or the things that they do. But I am here to tell you, no matter what education level, no matter what economic status, no matter who someone is, if if you think that they're undesirable in some ways, if you're seeing people through human eyes, what I want you to do is let your heart be changed by God. To see people not as unclean, but to say, look, God loves that person. God loves values that person 
They, we are all children of God created by him. We are all of equal value, dignity, and worth. No person is higher than another. We are all level at the foot of the cross. Will you and I treat people like that? Not thinking that other people aren't good enough for you. Whatever box that you put people in, whatever you know, favoritism you give to some and not to others, will, you let, will we let our hearts grow? <laughs> to be more like Jesus. I know this is hard, but we put up barriers in our life. We put up blocks in our hearts to keep certain people out, those people, that kind, that they would do that and go there and say that. But everybody, every single person you see is loved by God. And God wants to do a saving, transforming, changing work in their life and maybe he wants you and me to be the one to show them the love of God and to share with them with our mouth and word and indeed the love that he has for them to see people with the eyes of love I wasn't going to share this but Rachel said uh, this would be a good example uh, but I don't want to glory in myself just know that when you see people think of Think of how you could show them love. Encourage them. We were driving yesterday, leaving Petland parking lot after we petted the cute little hammies. And, oh, you know, we love the hammies, okay? The hamsters that are unclean, all right? And, and there was this guy crossing the driveway of the, um, the Petland drive, driveway, and he's got his pants down to here. And his underwear was up here, and you, you know, he was kind of a plumber. You could kind of see some things. And he was, he was holding up his pants, and he was pushing a cart with all his stuff. He kind of looked like a homeless gentleman. And his, his shorts were, I mean, literally down to here. And I saw him, and I, I don't know, maybe you, some of you guys are kind of like this. You're kind of like a fixer. Like if your wife tells you something, she's got a problem, you're like, I know what you need to do. You need to fix it. Do this. And, and women just want you to listen sometimes. But, but guys, we like to be problem solvers. And so I'm like, that guy needs a belt. Like that's his problem. He needs a belt. At least right now. That's his immediate need. So we pulled up next to him. And I'm like, hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Do you, do you want a belt? He's like, I could really use a belt. And I'm like, okay. Here's, here you go. I gave him my father's belt. But I'm like, he needs it more than I do. My dad would want him to have it. It's a good belt. Leather belt. Here you go. And he's like, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And that was all. That was all our interaction. But you know, there's a hundred things that can go through our minds when we see somebody. Just insert whatever scenario you want. Homeless jobless, lazy, good for nothing, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're going here, they're going there. We can say, oh, that person shouldn't be doing that. That person shouldn't be going there. This person, they need to fix their life and clean it. Or we can say, you know what? What do they need? We can't solve everybody's problems. But we can help show them love in some very practical ways. There's a love our city thing, rack right up there. You can look and see and just some practical like. How can I encourage this person today? Yeah, Nancy. Can we keep these? These are to keep. Because I don't want them back. I think this is a great illustration <laughs> to pull out whenever, whenever I am feeling really judgmental or 
you know, if you start yeah. to forget, I, I think this is great. And, uh, Thanks. I'm going to wear them into the It was Rachel's idea. Wear them where? Wear them into the truck stop. Wednesday. There you go. It doesn't look any different. <laughs> 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 I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, <laughs> this was Rachel's idea. She's like, yeah, I ought to get some heart glasses. She's so great with visual illustrations. She helps me. But it's so easy for our heart to be judgmental. And God made us to judge rightly. Like, it's good to judge rightly to avoid things that would cause us danger and hurt our family. They're just judging rightly. But that judgmentalism, man, it can take over. And we can see people through our human eyes as unclean or we can seek to grow in our lives and say, you know what? God loves that person. What can I do to show him love? What can I do to help? Maybe keep these in your car. And when people cut off, cut you off in front of you, you just put them on and you go, hey, buddy, come on in. <laughs> I know you must be having a bad day. <laughs> and wave with all your fingers, not just one finger, too, please. Thank you. That'll be helpful. <laughs> sure, Nancy. The kids and I were building the second temple this morning with Legos and, and blocks. Wow. And um, the, the deal with the second temple was that God's presence did not return mm. to the second temple after the destruction. So I was telling the kids, we are now the temple. We have to be the temple mm -hmm. of God. So he lives in us. He lives in us. Mm -hmm. you know, we project that. Ah. So we are God's representatives to the world. It's not if we are God's representatives, if we are God's temple to the world. It's how are we doing? <laughs> not that we want to seek to be just good for goodness sake or to save ourselves, but legitimately, how are we representing God and Jesus to the world? Are we showing people the love that we have been shown? Because no one is unredeemable. No one is excluded from the transforming work of Christ. Will we live like that and treat people in that way? That is the question I want to leave you with today. So we're going to sing one last song, as we do, and I hope and pray that more and more we become a church that shows no partiality. We've had people come in on Sunday mornings who are homeless, and I have seen people treat them with love and introduce themselves and ask an end. We have had people on Sunday mornings who come in being released from the jail, and I have seen people at Troyview go up to them and introduce themselves and ask their names and just see how we can love and encourage them. And that gives me encouragement. But we want to grow more and more to uh, be a church, to be a people that doesn't show favoritism and partiality, that everybody is welcome, no matter if you're part of the LGBTQIA plus blah, 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 uh, thing, or if you are whatever status of jobs, home, relationships, they used to view divorce or single moms in a different sort of light down here. And whatever you got going on, whatever they got going on, know that they are a person. God loves them. And we are called to as well. We would not be here today if it weren't for Jesus. There by the grace of God go I. So let's stand and praise God for opening the doors wide enough for all of us.
pray with me? Heavenly Father, please help us to surrender our judgmentalism, our partiality, our favoritism, and to see people with your eyes, with your love, and to love people with your heart, like you have loved us first. Thank you for your forgiveness of all our sins and how we are so far from perfect. That's why we need you. Help us to remember that other people need you too. And that you want to work in us and through us to help them know the awesome, saving power of who? Jesus. In his name everybody said. Amen. Amen. Amen.